You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin. That just instinctively came back to the my old intro. Um, we're here. It is Wednesday morning, September the 21st, as we are here to preview Michigan State. Back in the woodshed, back in East Lansing, taking on the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. We'll tell you everything you need to know about Minnesota. We'll start to get to some of the matchups for this game Uh, Later this week on Friday, we'll have our pick for this game. So if you're new, again, basically how we structure the the weeks during the season on Mondays, we'll give you the recap. Wednesdays, we'll give you the preview to the following game. And then Friday, we'll give you the picks. So uh, yeah, we'll get to all of that. First, um, you know, we've all had some time to kind of think about everything and making sure that... um, we we let the loss breathe, you know. Washington is behind us; so it's in the rearview mirror a little bit. And uh, we had some cathartic venting on the podcast. Some of it maybe strong, some of it not so strong. I don't know. It depends on your feelings. Uh, but Scott, now that we've had some time to breathe, we've had some time to think it over. Um, you know, has your opinion of the team, the game, the situation changed at all or are you still kind of in the same like yep my my takeaways were my takeaways and i mean it was still a dreadful game and i'm still very nervous about uh what we saw last weekend and how it could project to the remainder of the season but spartan nation uh got me through it this week i was you know on twitter and all the different uh, outlets where we come together and uh Realized we were on the harsher side. So, you know, I figured, hey, maybe I should just put my belief in uh, kind of the communal thought process here. Maybe that's just putting green colored glasses back on. But maybe that's what <laughs> that's we exactly need right now. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it's doing. Yeah. So I'm ready to to put my positive hat back on. Um, we got we're back in the woodshed, like you said, that, that can do wonders for any team to play back at home in front of a friendly crowd. So um Maybe that's all we need to uh, get the confidence back, get the gears turning on this season, and uh, start to get on a roll here. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I mean, we we went undefeated at home last year, starting off 2-0 and undefeated at home this year. So, uh, clearly, Spartan Stadium is bringing the heat, um, and and I know the, the team appreciates that. So... We'll get to all of that, uh, but yeah, we just you know it is kind of funny when you have a couple days to look back and think like maybe there was some strong beliefs that I don't necessarily hold anymore. Um, a lot of the things I still think are true. It's just that uh, now we've had some time to analyze it and be a little less emotional about it. Maybe that's the case, but uh, yeah, we look ahead to this week um, real quick as well. If you're not on. Uh, if sorry, if you are in the run your pool, if you're not in, just send me a DM. You can still get in. We're thinking about um, adding some kind of weekly prizes to this as well. Uh, as you know, there will be a prize at the end of the season 
for the winner of the whole year. But go on there and make your picks. As a reminder, we've had uh, we had a couple people miss last week, but uh, this week we've got a good slate. I mean, it, we're back in conference play, which is nice. We're done with the New Mexico states and the Akron's and the Hawaii's of the world that all the good teams are playing these cupcakes and winning by 47 points and we're in conference play now. Big Ten play, SEC play, Pac-12 play. We've got a pretty good slate here this week, couple ranked versus ranked. Uh, so if you're in the pool, go ahead and make your picks there as a reminder. But, uh, Scott, we're turning the page here to conference play. Um, are you more excited? I, I mean, it's, it's a weird time to answer this question as a Michigan State fan after what we just watched. But, you know, we kind of breezed through this topic before the season started of like, what's your favorite time as a fan throughout the season? You know, is it that excitement for week one? Is it we're a couple weeks in, you think, you know, some things, you know, that there's still some unknowns. Um, is it a couple months from now? Cause I think like beginning of October. So starting in like two weeks, that's generally my like peak regular season and and postseason i guess i would rather i i'll take early october over bowl season but um where where's that sweet spot as the fan as we head into big 10 conference play let's see so in order of like excitement around football um michigan weekend is is the top for me and i think most michigan state fans um it's hard to say like week one leading into the first game is is below anything else i mean i think just the general anticipation of eight or nine months of waiting for football usually is pretty hype but then you get into that game and through that first cupcake game and you're like okay that's right we do have a little bit of time before this really ramps up um start of big 10 is really good but i agree like early october where you at that point you kind of know who everybody is enough that you know where the big matchups for the year are going to be um and the the bad teams like maryland have been exposed that's going to happen in (laughs) in the big house this weekend yeah um i think the spread's only like 17 for that game i was shocked oh my yeah um but right now is is up there um i wish i was more excited i wish we weren't coming off a loss because right this definitely puts a little sour taste on the whole thing because if we were three and know going into big 10 play you're like all right we're right where we wanted to be not quite where we want to be but um like you said we are undefeated in the woodshed the last couple well this year and last year so um it's always exciting to be back in spartan stadium and uh, playing a good big 10 opponent i think minnesota is kind of a nice one to start with um because they're you're not starting with Ohio State where you need to like pull a rabbit out of a hat to have a chance, but you're also not starting with like a Rutgers where it feels like, all right, well, it's Big Ten, but is it? Um, you know, they're a good Big Ten team, a good measuring stick. If you get through Minnesota, if if we beat Minnesota, I'll be right back on being really stoked for the rest yeah. of the season. If we lose to Minnesota, it's like two losses against two good but maybe not great teams. Eesh. You know, so it, it's a good one to start with. It's an exciting week. Yeah, and as we keep stacking weeks here through the football season, always our friends at DraftKings are with us along the way. They are an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and now new customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. For every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to a hundred percent. With bigger payouts, uh, bigger than ever. Why bet anywhere else on football? The same game stepped the stepped up same game parlays. Too much alliteration going on here. Uh, once per game, all season long. Nice little promotion from DraftKings there. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And as you are listening here to the Standing Room Spartans podcast, I don't know if you're in your car, if you're on a walk, if you're in the gym. If you are in the gym or on a walk or on a bike ride, use the Raycon wireless earbuds. They look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips and perfect in-ear fit 
They will not budge. They give you eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life, and half the price of other premium audio brands. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. They have noise isolation awareness mode, three customizable sound profiles. Go to buyraycon.com today and use code TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buy buyraycon.com. TPPN15 is the promo code. Buyraycon.com, code TPPN15. Whew, okay. There were some slight changes to the ad rates here that threw me off. Um Let's get into this. So Minnesota is, you know, we talk about like disrespect, right? Our team is disrespected. Our conference is disrespected. Minnesota comes into this game unranked after last season finish off a nine and four year in which they dealt with a lot of injuries. were real close to winning the West come into this year, start three and oh, you have not the best slate of opponents, but you win 38 nothing, 62 to 10, and 49 to 7 against technically a power five team in Colorado. Uh, and they are unranked heading into this matchup. Actually, Michigan State has more receiving votes in the AP poll than Minnesota. So if I'm a Minnesota fan, if I'm a player, if I'm a coach, um, I would be pretty darn upset about that. Uh, to start there, Scott, are you are you surprised that Minnesota's unranked? Miami with a loss, Pitt with a loss, AM, Texas, Florida, BYU, Baylor, Oregon, Utah. These are all teams ranked in the top 25 with losses, while a nine win coming off of nine wins, bringing almost everybody back, starting off three and oh, unranked Minnesota. And you're muted. <laughs> I hope it was a great point that you were making, though. Double muted myself. Um, yeah, I mean, early season early season rankings are always a mess. And uh, especially this year, I feel like they've just been terrible. Um, but if you're a team like Minnesota looking for a reason to feel disrespected, right? They know what they've got or they think they know what they've got. And uh, they're not getting much credit. They haven't played anyone, but again, I mean, a combined score of 149 to 17 through three games. You can't do much better than that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're circling this game going into Spartan Stadium, which is a, a respected venue and a respected team um, that's going to get some eyes. They're looking at this like, all right, fine. If they don't want to pay attention to us, we're going to make them pay attention to us this weekend in the woodshed. So, um, I mean, it, it definitely, you look back at the D'Antonio days when we were in positions like that, and it was always a huge motivator. Um, and, and sure, you could say D'Antonio was just the best at using ammunition like that to get the guys fired up. But nonetheless, um, they want their respect. You picked them to pick to, to win the West. At this point, I don't think that's a bad pick at all, given how they've started and how their team is built to, to run the football, to play solid D. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to have a little extra motivation in this one, and um, they're going to want to prove themselves. Yeah, Michigan State hasn't played Minnesota in a couple years now, so you know if you're if you're just kind of watching the Michigan State fan the games and paying attention to what's going on around the league, but not really watching too much. And we haven't played Minnesota since 2017, and then 2013 was the previous matchup, so. It's been damn near a decade since we've played, you know, two games against Minnesota. They they've changed quite a bit for those of you who haven't been paying attention. 2017 was when they hired PJ Fleck. They went 5 and 7 that year and then 7 and 6, 11 and 2, that upward trajectory you look for. Your COVID season wasn't perfect, but then 9 and 4 last year again barely um almost won the West last year. You're looking in good position to do it this year. I, this has turned into a pretty darn consistent, pretty good football team under P.J. Fleck. Uh, their defensive coordinator, Joe Rossi, doesn't give enough credit for the work that he has done there. Last year, they only gave up 17 points a game. That was sixth in the country. So this is a darn good football program coming into East Lansing. I don't want people to kind of misinterpret what Minnesota is because of the last couple times that we played them. There was that Le'Veon Bell game where he went for like 300 some yards and 
you know, we've had our their number the last few times we played them, but we haven't played them in a while, and and that program has changed leaps and bounds since then, kind of in the same way that we have as well. So uh, it's been a while. It's it's nice to see Minnesota back on the schedule. I've always liked, you know, they've got a, a good fan base that you like interacting with at tailgates and stuff. They're 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 Midwesterners, so generally they're nice people. But um, yeah, Minnesota comes into the woodshed for the first time since 2013. We can welcome them into East Lansing. So um, what kind of stands out when you watch Minnesota, when you look through their stats, anything that really jumps off the page about them? Yeah, I mean, they've got a senior quarterback and a senior running back. And you look at, like, I think back to the Michigan State teams where you, you kind of the centerpieces of the offense are in their senior years and it's kind of one of those all right if it's going to come together it's going to come together this year kind of seasons right you had like 2011 with Kirk Cousins obviously a great season then you had 2015 with uh, Connor Cook and um, you've got Tanner Morgan and Mo Ibrahim who both have a lot to prove they've both dealt with injuries uh, in their careers and they just from a Minnesota perspective aside from maybe 2019 they haven't really had the opportunity to put all their pieces together in one season and and see what it looks like and show everybody what they've got. And uh, I think that's this year for them, right? So they're looking at this year like, next year we're probably going to take a step back. But this year we've got everything we need. Now we just got to put it on the field. And that's a scary place to be, especially considering they're underrated right now, in our opinion. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it starts with Mo Ibrahim. He started last year against Ohio State that night game week one, and he was just running through the Buckeyes defense. He's he a like beast, man. He's fun yards. to watch. He got hurt like in the third quarter. He had like 200 yards and a few touchdowns. I don't remember the exact stat line, but um, and then he blew his knee. I, th- I think it was an ACL, but um, and he was out for the rest of the year. And he was he was like an All-American candidate going into last season and immediately they lost him. Um, and he's back and he looks just as good as mm-hmm. he did pre-injury. Um, I mean, he's just a one-man wrecking crew and they know how to block for him, but he doesn't always need it. So it starts with Mo. I think Tanner Morgan, we can get to him in a sec, but but really their centerpiece on offense is Mo Ibrahim. Yeah, and the ba- because Ibrahim was hurt last year, the backup, Trey Potts, was able to get on the field. He averaged five yards a carry, had six touchdowns on the year last year. So when Mo Ibrahim needs a breather, this is a team that wants to run the damn football. I mean, they last season, I had this pulled up. They had per game 20 passing attempts per game, 46 rushing attempts per game, 20 passing, 46 rushing after their number one running back went down. This is a team that wants to run the football this year. That's kind of a similar trajectory, 20, 22 and a half, 23 passing attempts per game, 54 rushing attempts per game. So when you have Mo Ibrahim, one of the best backs in the conference, you have a really good backup in Trey Potts. Shoot, Bryce Williams, their third string back, is averaging eight yards a carry right now. But uh that's a rushing game that you don't really feel comfortable going against. It's physical. It's well coached. It's it's a good offensive line. But then it it comes down to this is the thing where I I did predict Minnesota to win the Big Ten West, and it's because I think Minnesota has really quietly approached Iowa Wisconsin levels of well, we know their defense is going to be good. We know that they're going to be able to run the football. And that's just kind of how you look at every game against Wisconsin or or Iowa. I think you're kind of approaching that with Minnesota too. Difference with Minnesota is they have a quarterback who's proven that he can produce at this level. In 2019, 3,200 yards, 30 touchdowns, just seven interceptions. And a couple quiet years since then, different offensive coordinators same offensive coordinator is back from 2019. I know you're going to hear that on the broadcast quite a few times, but the biggest thing here, and, and Tom Fernelli of CBS tipped me off to this, 
you look at that 2019 season over 11 yards per attempt or i'm sorry over 10 yards per attempt the next two seasons that weren't very good seven and a half and eight yards per attempt generally wasn't very productive as a whole and then this year's this season offensive coordinator comes back over 11 yards per attempt so does that mean 2019 tanner morgan is back i don't know they haven't really played anybody yet but it does seem like he's got some chemistry with this coordinator they know what they want to do together and that was the biggest reason for them for me picking them winning the west is i thought they had the biggest passing ceiling and that's a thing that obviously as you look at michigan state and and how we line up against them um if they do decide to kind of dial up that passing game he is at the very least capable of picking apart a, a bad Michigan State secondary. He's without the top receiver, Chris Ottman-Bell. They just announced it. I think he was out for the season. Uh, he got hurt. He was their number one receiver. But they, they've got a couple guys there that are talented. And I trust P.J. Fleck to develop receivers. He's done it consistently throughout his entire career going back to Western Michigan. So um, I, I wouldn't really fear too much for that if I was a Minnesota fan. So, I mean, does... Does Tanner Morgan scare you? I mean, maybe that's a weird question. It's like, does Cade McNamara scare you? Um, but against this past defense, you know, we talked about it all episode earlier this week. Is that a matchup that you're like, oh boy, Tanner Morgan coming to town? Or is it like, eh, okay, Tanner Morgan coming to town. We should be all right. So, I mean, like Tanner Morgan at the NFL Combine, uh, just like, in a vacuum, right, evaluating his QB skills. I don't think he exactly jumps off the page at you. Um, but in this offense, they have developed a great niche for him. I mean, they're going to start with the run, and they're, I think, quite frankly, going to establish the run against almost every opponent. And he is fantastic out of play action. You think of a guy like Kirk Cousins from Michigan State, right? He did it at MSU, and he did it. He does it for the Vikings. Um, great out of play action. They love to come out in 12 personnel with one running back, two tight ends, and just send their two wide receivers on deep posts. And that play action, once they've set up the run, usually gets one of those guys into single coverage, right? Because most teams are bringing one safety down to protect the run. So then you got three on two deep routes, and he can hit those pretty consistently. And so that scares me, first of all, because our secondary, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, so Tanner Morgan, I think he does what he is asked to do at Minnesota really well, and they've developed a scheme around him that plays to his strengths. So they do that, a lot of that play action and a lot of that RPO with a pretty long mesh point. It's it's not Wake Forest, but it almost approaches that level where he holds and holds and holds and holds, and then if there's a hole in the defense, he'll just pull it out and give that quick slant behind the linebackers or something. That's what worries me. But uh, it is that kind of it. It does look a little wonky compared to what you're used to. It's a really long, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, and then make a decision if you're handing it off to Mo or or throwing it behind the linebackers. Yeah, and you see the average in their average receipt reception yards um, from these receivers. You, you can tell they have time in their routes. Almost everybody who's caught a ball this year for Minnesota is averaging at least 15 yards per catch. Um, so they're not going to throw it 40 times a game, but they make their they get their money's worth when they do. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it, you think about like a defensive game plan and you want to make the other team one dimensional. Um, I guess with Minnesota, I'd try to take away the pass and then just try to bow your neck against the run and hope you get off the field on third down at some point. But when they're a run first team like that, um, it's yeah, it's a tough matchup. It's going to be really physical, right? So you, you talk about yeah. how you get after this, no matter what primary focus in practice is control the line of scrimmage against Minnesota. Cause if they're getting a push off the line, they're going to throw it 10 times. Like they'd be perfectly happy to hardly throw it at all. If they're pushing our defense back. Right. Well, and that's, that's always, it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing, but it's like, do you try to focus around stopping that run and then kind of giving up some stuff behind, but 
again, Minnesota's a team that wants to establish the run. Everything they do comes off of that, whether it's play action or RPO stuff. Do you just say, all right, we're gonna we're gonna shut down the run and then force you to just play kind of that drop back pass game, or do you sh- try to shut down the pass and say, well, at least if they're running the ball, it won't be there won't be too uh, as many explosive plays in theory. But it, I don't know, man. This is it's a pretty balanced offense for a team that doesn't really light up the scoreboard. Now they have again so far this year because they've played really bad defenses. But I think by the end of the season, we're not going to look back at Minnesota scoring 49.7 points per game like they are right now. But it it's a, it's a balanced offense. It's a productive offense. It's an efficient offense, I think, more than anything. And uh, it's, it's something that's got to give you a little bit of worry here from a Michigan State defense that's in trouble and reinforcements aren't coming. Like, I don't think these injured guys, it, we haven't heard anything about Xavier Henderson to believe that he'll be back. Obviously, Snow is out for the year. Haven't really heard anything about Jacob Slade. Can he be back? Like, reinforcements aren't really coming. You've got the guys that you got. So you got to find a way to game plan around a Minnesota team that comes into this one with a, a pretty darn good offense. I, I mean, is there... Anything else on that side before we flip over to Michigan State offense versus Minnesota defense? Or Yeah, I mean, talking about our defense and how we're going to game plan against this one, I'm trying to think of like matchups where if we are going to do well in this game, this guy has to do, has to have a great game, right? And certainly everyone on the line of scrimmage, like I said, that not just one guy everybody there has to have the whole line and and the set and the uh linebackers and run support they all need to do real well um but i i'm really excited to see these cornerbacks because with minnesota playing largely out of 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field you've got two wide receivers right and we we're going to want to commit guys to the box so we're going to want those outside cornerbacks to handle their business against um just the two guys out there. So it'll be interesting. I don't think Minnesota's the type of team who's going to happily throw five yard hitches to the outside over and over. So at least maybe we'll get a little bit of reprieve from the death by a thousand short yeah. yardage cuts, but they're going to have to cover those guys for a long time. You mentioned those long RPOs and those play action plays. Um, you're going to be in coverage two, three, four seconds on these outside wide receivers so can Chuck Brantley, can Ronald Williams, can Amir Speed or, or a new face cover that long? And free safety, Mel Tucker mentioned there's going to be some shakeups. And we, we were chatting about this before we started recording about like, does that mean we're just going to see like three new starters on defense? Or does that mean like they're just going to tweak the snap counts and, and get guys fired up in practice this week? But I'm interested to see who plays free safety in this game, because I think they're going to have a lot of responsibility to play across the field in that, you know, cover three and running to the deep ball um, into the corners and Angelo gross and Chester Kimbrough, but Angelo gross had a bad game again last week. Um, And it's the same thing we saw last year where we just don't seem to have a natural free safety in this defense that's reliably covering the middle of deep middle of the field. So I think if we have a good game here, those guys have to step up and force Minnesota to play in the box most of the time. Yeah. And if, and if we do have that traditional free safety, just from a player mold standpoint, we've talked about it a hundred times, but it would be Jaden Mangum. But He's a true freshman that's 175 pounds, and Minnesota's not the matchup for a 170-pound freshman safety with Mo Ibrahim breaking through the the front seven and having to rely on him to take down Mo Ibrahim, one of the angriest, most physical, powerful runners in the conference. Their tight end, Brevin Span Ford, really good receiver. Uh, He's got eight catches, 127 yards already this season. He's six foot seven, 270 pounds. He looks like Deion Sims out there. All right. So, like, I would love to get Jaden Mangum on the field. This is not the week. This this is a bad week to try to mix in 
a young kid who might get just tossed around by like a rag doll against some of these matchups. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot of Kendall Brooks, obviously he he's played really well since he stepped in. I, I think even last week he made some plays He's a really good tackler. This is kind of the matchup. You want a guy like that, but again, that free safety spot's just going to, it's been problematic really since this staff got here and it, feels like it's going to continue to be for at least another week yeah so we'll see i am really excited to see kind of brooks against mo ibrahim in the hole i think that's going to be an explosive matchup i mean mo Ibrahim's going to get his wins more times than not no matter who's trying to tackle him um but if you look at our team and the guys we have um kendall brooks has shown he's more than willing to throw his body around and i'm excited to see that matchup but yeah, so if I'm if I'm MSU, I'm trying to test my secondary to cover two guys with three and commit eight to the interior. Um, does it scare me to say that? Absolutely. Does it especially scare me because Washington did control the line of scrimmage in the run game last week also? Absolutely. So um, I'm going to try not to let that Washington game leak too much into this preview, uh, but it is the only good competition we've seen so far this year, and obviously there was no shortage of uh, uh, red flags. So yeah, the defense, they're just going to, I mean, all in all, they're just going to have to have a huge bounce back week. Everyone's going to have to play a lot better yeah. than they did last week. It does. It The, the Washington game does put an interesting wrinkle on this um, from a prediction standpoint, because Michigan state comes into this game in theory, like, you know, down because we were coming off the loss, whereas Minnesota is coming off the wins. But, you know, Minnesota hasn't played anybody. So we might think something based on what they've done to this point this season compared to what we've done to this point in the season. But it's a data point that they just don't have. And and maybe Minnesota sucks too, you know, on defense or on offense, or there's there's this one aspect of their team that's just terrible. But we don't know that because they haven't played anybody. Um, you know, to kind of flip over to the other side of the ball to put this point home a little bit more even as you look at you know we talked about they're scoring 49.7 points per game on offense that's probably not going to continue the whole season their defense is giving up 5.7 points per game they're giving up exactly 100 passing yards per game they're giving up 2.8 yards a carry I mean you look at the numbers this is an all-time defense right of course, the numbers aren't going to continue like this. But again, Joe Rossi's been doing this for a few years now. Last year, they were one of the best defenses in the country. They only gave up 280 yards a game um, on less than five yards of play. Like This is a good defense and something that, that Michigan State absolutely has to be ready for. They've got a really good linebacking group. Uh, their safeties, uh, their, their defensive backs as a whole are well coached. They've put some guys into the NFL the last couple of years. Uh, this is a really, really good Minnesota defense. And, and I don't think people are really giving them this type of credit, but Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, they are all playing pretty much the same caliber of defense the last couple of years. And Iowa and, Minnesota, or Iowa and Wisconsin get a lot more credit for it because they've been doing it for such a long period now. But Minnesota is absolutely playing up to that type of top 10, top 15 national level. So this is going to be a tough nut to crack, especially if we're not running the football like we did last week. Yeah, they. Um, one of the things I, I got out of the press conferences after the last game from Michigan State was that you can bet your house they are going to try to establish the run every game from now until the sky falls. It's It was clearly a priority, in my opinion, long after it should have stopped being a priority last week. Um, they want to establish the ground game. They think they have the horses for it. And we're going to try to do it again against a, a hard-nosed Minnesota defense that's used to playing against great running teams in the Big Ten West. They've built their defense around stopping uh, Wisconsin's running game. Iowa, well, traditional a traditional <laughs> Iowa running game, not this year's Iowa running game. Um, teams that want to run the ball down your throat. So we're going to have to again have a much better game than we did last week. I think, you know, going into last game, 
I was really impressed by our running game. And I was like, this is going to be a strength of ours. And it didn't happen against Washington. We got pushed around. We had to rely on Peyton Thorne's arm. Maybe it would have worked out if we relied on Peyton Thorne's arm a lot earlier in that game, like RG3 was begging for. Um, but nonetheless, yeah. Jay Johnson. For- <laughs> he was starting to say, <laughs> he was starting to say, just give up on the run game altogether. Only throw the ball in like first drive of the second quarter, <laughs> which I give him credit for yeah. it. He was right. But it's but, so RG3. It's like a scrambling QB from Baylor is begging right. us to just stop running the ball. It's like, He's like, okay. dude, why are you even bothering? Like, yeah. what? Did, scrap it. Stop. Um, yeah, but we're not going to try to do that. We're in the woodshed. We're going to try to keep their offense off the field because if Minnesota gets the ball and they're successfully running the ball, they're going to be more than happy to take nine minutes off the clock every time they get a possession and end it with seven points. And we're going to try to do the exact same thing. So... Um, we're going to see if we can. Uh, our offensive line has improvements to make, certainly. Um, I think we can utilize the play action really well in this game, um, similar to how Minnesota is. I think, honestly, m- both offensive game plans are going to be really similar, um, at least to start. Now, the question is, can we run the ball? And if we can't, are we going to keep trying? Um, but yeah, I think this game uh, in the woodshed, control the ball, establish the run is going to be first priority. And I would love to see them rely a little bit more on Peyton Thorne early though. Right. Just, yeah. just give him chances to make plays. Don't run the ball on third and five ever, let alone all the time. Um, and you know what too, like the, what we should keep doing. Cause I think we, we kind of did this once, once we actually had some drives and a little bit of success and, and got some plays strung together I think the way that Jay Johnson called the game for Peyton Thorne, once we kind of really started throwing the ball a bit more, there was a little bit of a let's get him into rhythm, some of those short rhythm throws, little hitches, bubble screens, slants. Let's do that more earlier. Let's let's actually allow Peyton Thorne to get in a rhythm early, do some of those kind of short throws, because that is... I mean, it sounds silly, but that it is a thing, man. Like these these quarterbacks, once you kind of get a couple throws behind you, it's the same thing in golf. It's the same thing in anything that you guys have done in high school, whatever, where like once you get a couple successful things to happen your way, you start feeling a little bit more confident. And when you feel confident, you play better. That's just the, you know, everybody always says like momentum is fake. Momentum's not fake. It's just we need to rebrand it as confidence because when a team's confident, they play better. When the other team isn't as confident, hence when they lose momentum, they don't play as good. And uh, get Peyton Thorne in a rhythm early, get him confident. And whether we have Jaden Reed or not, he'll start making some of those really nice throws out of the pocket, scrambling, getting out, you know, that he was last week and finding Keon Coleman and Trey Mosley down the field. But it, it all starts with that first kind of string of five to 10 throws. And that kind of feels like maybe these last three games, that's kind of been the difference, right? The first couple games, it was just never in a rhythm and it was never going to just magically start. Whereas against Washington, he connected on his first 10 and it just kind of continued from there. Yeah, you mentioned it's like golf. Um, and it really, you know, for those who play golf, you know, when you walk up to a tee box and you're you're on, your game's on, you just came off a good hole, you just walk up and you're just natural swing and you just hammer it and it's always a good shot, right? Not always, but uh, <laughs> if you golf like me, but... Um, and then there's the times when you're you're in a you're in a rut, right? And you walk up and you're like you forget you just how your back the swing last should hole. feel. Yeah. You're like slowing things down. You're like, wait, is that how my you know my hips should go back? Like at your you're second guessing, you're thinking way too much while you're trying to perform. Same thing with quarterbacks, right? He's got to be able to trust his eyes and let his arm rip and just because he's repped it in practice enough, expect that the ball is going to go to the right place. But if he's standing there, sitting there thinking like, all right, what, where's my release point need to be? Like, how much air do I want under this ball? Like, oh, does that defender have enough time to get over? I don't know. When you start thinking like that, everything gets faster than what you can comprehend. Football is too fast a game for a quarterback to be thinking. And that rhythm is all about that, right? Just getting yourself to trust your timing, to trust your arm, to trust your eyes and just let your practice come to fruition and make plays. So 
honestly, the other thing here is that his the rest of his offense needs to help him out. In a couple yeah. of these games when he struggled, there were drops early. There was, you know, guys batting the ball down in his face because our line was getting pushed back. Um, Missed blitz pickups. We've had a, cu- a few of those. Where he's jumping out of the pocket and the timing's off, and then he's got to try to make something happen outside the timing of the play. So he really needs the offense to step up around him as well to help with that. And it's not asking for much, right? It's just asking for Jarek Broussard to go on the correct side on a handoff or for whoever not to drop the ball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you got to get back to fundamentals and you got to run plays that, I mean, you talk about the script. We talked about that last episode, right? Like you script your first 10 plays, 20 plays, whatever. Don't make mistakes in those scripted plays. Like you've mm-hmm. repped them all week and keep them simple. Even if you only get three yards of play, just do what the play is intended to do so that everybody gets in a rhythm of playing by the playbook and letting the rest take care of itself. Yeah, there there were plays last game where you mentioned like Broussard runs the wrong way when he's trying to take the handoff. There was a screen pass that I sent to you and TJ where one lineman even tried to get upfield. And it was like, you know, usually the, the whole O line or three of the five They'll do that two seconds of like fake blocking and then they'll all try to get upfield. And whether they successfully do that or not, okay. There was only one guy in the offensive line who was even trying to get upfield. It was like the rest of them didn't even know that there was a screen pass called. So like it was just, you know, that there there were a few just big fundamental mishaps last game. Obviously, um, you know, the Broussard thing near the goal line where he slipped. His offensive lineman just got driven right into his face. There wasn't much he could do right when he took that handoff. But there's just <clears throat> too many times we've had just fundamental issues that halt a drive, that stop a drive. So we need to get that stuff cleaned up. And that's something that, you know, if we do get Jaden Reed back, which we won't, we probably won't know. Mel Tucker is early in his tenure has been pretty notoriously hush hush on injuries but um i mean that's that's some of the stuff that those are mistakes that jaden reed never makes it seems like he is a team leader in the sense that you know guys want to fight for him play with him make sure that you know they're doing their job so that he can make plays for them um, that would be a good player to get back in that sense you know a guy that's not really going to drop a dumb pass on third down or miss an assignment so You'd like to get a couple of these guys back, but I mean, Jarrett Horst came back, started every, started the game, played every snap and generally looked pretty good. So if, if Horst is going to be a, a plus value at left tackle, that's a good start, right? The rest of the offensive line, definitely some things to clean up with Horst included, but um, yeah, it's, it's, we turn it into the quarterback thing because that they're the most popular, they're the most important, but you know, the support system hasn't been perfect for as well as Keon Coleman's played and everything. It, it hasn't been perfect. Last big one here on offense. Take care of the football. Minnesota is built to take time off the clock. There, You think it was, you know, that first couple possessions at, at Washington where it felt like we had the ball for one minute in the first 20. Minnesota has the ability to ability to do that and more and you can't give them a short field and you just you got to protect your possessions in this game kevin quiz question here Mm -hmm. what do you think minnesota's third down percent is so far this year um i I can't even imagine that they've had too many third downs so far this year but i would assume that it's pretty good uh let's go with like let's go with something really good like 68 percent Um, Minnesota's first in the country so far this year at 83%. 83, Jesus. <laughs> That's insane. Second is Georgia with 74. And third is Kansas with 67. So they're 15% higher than third place. Yeah, I was going to say, my guess of 68 I thought was pretty lofty. That's like third in the country good, and they blew past that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's nuts. It, again, like the competition needs to be kept in perspective here. It is, they've played three cupcakes. Colorado's practically an FCS team this year by the looks of it. 
Um, but nonetheless, like another example, get off the field and keep them off the field when you can, because our defense is going to have all they can handle. If even if Minnesota starts with like bad field position, like touchbacks and good punts from Behringer every drive, our defense is still going to have their work cut out for them. It's going to be hard to get their offense off the field. So you got to take care of the ball. I was looking Peyton Thorne, you know, he's had good games and he's had bad games. Um, in his last nine, 18 games, he's had 13 games with an interception. So he's only had five career games without a pick. Um, granted, he usually doesn't throw more than one. Like two is a really bad game for him, but he's got to be sharp in this one um, and absolutely can't be fumbling the ball. You know, if, if we give up an interception because we're struggling and we take a deep shot, fine. Like Jay Johnson's good for one of those a game. It seems like these days, it seems like he's okay with one of those per game. Right. Uh, with the way that he calls plays, but you got to take care of the football in this one. You cannot be turning it over. Yeah, field position is going to be huge to that point too. Like you know, a, a turnover in your own end could be the difference in this game. Like this is predicted to be a. a I mean, Vegas right now, DraftKings has it. Uh, Minnesota. When I checked this morning, it was Minnesota minus two and a half on the road, which tells you that they view this teams as a basically a coin flip. Um, the over under was like fifty one, so they're they're looking at like a twenty seven to twenty five game, right? That's one possession flips that thing on its head. This is going to be, it's predicted to be, it's projected to be a very close, very physical game. That there is some some opportunities for points, but at the same time, it's it's not predict projected to be a shootout. Like you've got to take advantage of every opportunity you get. You can't be turning the ball over in these type of really close physical big 10 conference games. All right. This is just, this is kind of crazy. I was looking up third down opponents, third down conversion percent. So on defense, Minnesota is first in the country at 14%. Their opponents 14. are converting 14%. Again, what, this is early season offense, stats, like... which are always inflated <laughs> and junky, but to be first in the country and both, first or third down conversion and opponents third down conversion percent um that's pretty impressive that's uh that's really impressive this is a well-coached team man like people give pj fleck a bunch of crap his resume kind of speaks for itself it's pretty darn impressive and then his coordinators are among you know what i think uh you've got like a top 25 ish offensive coordinator and a top 10 ish defensive coordinator like there's a well-coached football team. They're not, they're not going to really beat themselves too often. Um, I, I know people like to kind of hate on PJ Fleck, and he's a pretty hateable guy in a lot of ways, but guys uh, proven now through 10 years as a head coach to be a pretty consistent winner. So um, he's got his methods. It's not for everybody, but it's it's been pretty successful. He's won a lot of football games. Do you think there's a world where Michigan State just jumps on Minnesota in this one? Just like right out of the gate, like the the loss fuels their fire all yeah. week. Minnesota overinflates the expectations for themselves and we just pounce. I'll never say no to that question, even against really great teams, because we have some explosive skill talent. You know, if especially if like a Jaden Reed is back. We've got a guy in Keon Coleman, I think, has already proved it. And then Jaden Reed, who's already proved it, that I can take a, a 60 to 70 yard shock play to the house. And then all of a sudden, it's just a turnover and another touch. You know, like this team will always have that capability to do that because of Coleman and Reed on the outside. And yeah, that's definitely in the, in the cards. The question is will Jay Johnson and Mel Tucker game plan that, right? They, they, right. Like we did year, all of last year. We jumped out right. to those early leads like every game. But it feels like this year so far, they've been like, all right, let's put a good drive together. Let's put like a nice nine plays, finish it with seven, establish the run, and hasn't really been working. Um, now, that said, I understand the hesitation to go out there and take shots on the first series and then you have a three and out right or you throw a pick like right off the bat in hindsight like if you just didn't tell anybody anything about last season or like there were 
what three games where the first offensive play was a flea flicker nine routes on the outside and if you told me that preseason i'd be like what did the did you give the madden kid the the play sheet like what are we doing that is insane because of how many things can go wrong (laughs) and it's like all right it worked that's not necessarily what you want to keep doing but again it worked so do we kind of go back to that and we say you know what that was working for us last year i know it was crazy but let's let's dial up some deep shots early and try to get out to an early lead, get the team confident. And again, you play confident, you play better. If you're up seven nothing two minutes into the game, pretty good spot to be in. Yeah, having Kenneth Walker uh, on tape with a 75 yard inside run for a touchdown on the first play <laughs> definitely helped set up those flea flickers. That helps. That helps. Um, but yeah, just because the alternative again, because it never happened, we never had to talk about this. But what if the running back just misses the toss, defensive lineman scoops up a, a fumble, runs it back, and now you're down, you started with the ball and you're down seven nothing two minutes into the game. And then, then suddenly all these flea flickers are like, that is the dumbest thing I have ever seen in my lifetime of watching football. <laughs> right? We saw it, it in the, um, not that it didn't end that poorly, but in the peach bowl last year, we tried to run it with right. Jordan Simmons and he took like one step in front of Peyton Thorne and then just like threw it straight into his chest, like a <laughs> missile and Peyton Thorne just jumped on the fumble. And that was the end of the play. And it was very clear. Like, okay, we're ripping that one out. Like we're not, We'll wrap it on the off season, but we are not touching that thing again. You could go from the the clever, you know, sneaky great offensive coordinator to the fired bum in a couple of those calls. It doesn't take many. <laughs> it does not take many because yeah. you're going to remember every one of those mistakes. You're not going to necessarily remember every time that it worked, but as a fan, if you run that two times and it doesn't work, that's it. You're you're always going to be known as the guy who just kept doing those stupid flea flickers that resulted in <laughs> turnovers. Yeah, so hopefully we see some creativity. I'd love to get some nice, tricky plays to just loosen up the offense, get them feeling good, right? Like it's Tyler Hunt another pass attempt. Yeah, trying to plod your way down with three and a half yard runs for a whole drive is just it's a tight way to start a game. It's there's a thin margin for the drive to just sputter out completely right you're like one run for no game and an incompletion away mm-hmm. no gain and an incompletion away from the drive ending and to give us the opportunity to get a cheap seven early get people loosened up get the woodshed going i think you got to take your shot somewhere in that first drive i understand if you want to get like your first first down kind of conservatively but like early in that first drive i want to see us blocking for big plays or taking a deep shot or something but if, if you realize two passing attempts into the game that like, man, they're playing, you know, single coverage out on Keon and just just take a shot, just send Keon on a nine route. If he's getting single covered, give him a chance. That's you know, like thing, this is this is what he's there for. He's six foot four and can jump. Throw him one a jump thing ball. I noticed uh, last week against Washington was that it felt like even in the passing game when we were trusting Peyton Thorne to throw the ball, we weren't giving receivers the opportunity to be athletes, right? Like we were trying to scheme them open so that it was like a guaranteed completion. And we were getting more and more desperate, but we were still hesitant. And then finally in the second half, they started to open it up, right? They threw Trey Mosley in double coverage and he made a play. Keon Coleman starts mossing dudes in the end zone. Like, our wide receivers are the best part of our offense. You yeah. have to let them be great. You can't just expect them to run good routes and have the rest take care of itself. Like it, we're not that good of an offense. We have yeah, to kind of, be giving them the opportunity to be better than expected. Yeah. It's kind of that balance between like the offensive coordinator. His job is to scheme it in a way that there's an open player on every play, but it's not the quarterback's job to only throw to the open guy it's the quarterback's job to take the whole situation and make a decision and say hey tyler hunt is open here i can throw him the ball but that's going to result in a two-yard gain right i'm not just going to throw to him because he's open keon coleman is 40 yards downfield and he's getting covered 
but he's only getting covered by one guy who's a lot smaller than him. Maybe I'll throw that one instead. And that's not what the play called for. That's not what the scheme was, you know, the, the idea behind the play, but that's where there's kind of that delicate balance between coordinator and quarterback. One guy's just trying to scheme it all up and you only throw to the open guy. Cause I designed this play so well that there's going to be an open guy and the quarterback saying, okay, that's cute. Most of the time I'll do that, but sometimes, sorry, coach, I'm, I'm taking that shot, you know, and, and it comes you have down to, to have that trust, right? Trusting your wide receiver and he trusts Jaden Reed, obviously. So we saw that last year, we saw him throwing jump balls to Reed all year. And this year, I'm hoping with the game Keon Coleman had and the start that Coleman has had to this season, he's starting to see Coleman as a guy he can do that with as well. Because um, the last thing you want is to take that shot, throw a pick, get shoot out by your offensive coordinator, and you're forced to be even more conservative. But Keon Coleman is that dude. And uh, I would love to see one of the tight ends be a guy who can take a one-on-one and make positive plays. It feels like our tight ends still another year are just really struggling to be an impact position for our offense. Yeah. Barker had a couple flashes last weekend, but um, you you do feel like there's more. You're just kind of waiting for that next evolution at that position. Anything beyond offense, defense, X's and O's, any X factors you see in this one, special teams? I'd love to see Jack Stone get more reps, but... yeah. No, I mean, like I said, field goal or field position is going to be really important. Um, you know, whoever ends up getting backed up a couple times, and these aren't necessarily offenses that are designed to go 90 yards down the field. Um, so field position is going to be big in this one. Home field advantage is going to be big in this one. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. I think this is going to be a really great game, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Obviously, I think. I think we got we got pretty deep into football here today, like more than we normally do on a preview. Maybe it's because it's 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 that beautiful time of year where we have enough of a sample size where we can really start to piece some of these things together. So this was this was a fun preview, um, and I do think this is going to be a really good game. There's going to be a lot of emotions with this one because it's a huge game for both teams. It's you you kind of as a fan. And I'm sure the coaches in the back of their head, they pretend they treat every game similarly, but there's that two, three games every year that are kind of the coin flips that decide, is this a nine-win team or is this a six-win team? Is this a 10-win team or is this a seven-win team? And I think both coaching staffs would look at this matchup and say, this is a team that we are very similar to talent-wise, and this is one of those coin flip games that could really turn this season especially being this early so this is this is like a, a pretty high stakes matchup earlier in the year the last thing i'll say here um we got to get the woodshed behind us i feel like right now with the tension in the fan base and what we've seen so far last year with the secondary and to start this season last week we cannot come out and let them hit big passes early Right, Because I think we're at risk at this point. I hate to say this, but I think we're at risk of some boo birds coming out. If we I come think out so. And we give up I a couple big so. touchdowns or big chunk plays in the pass game and we get down 14 nothing because we can't cover. People are fed up. And that's that that would be such a toxic area to start treading on. Right. Because once the boo birds come out and Mel Tucker comes out in the press conference and he says something about how the woodshed didn't support them and all of a sudden. All those positive vibes of the last yeah. three years are behind us. If social media is any indication, and I know normally it isn't, but when you're seating 80,000 people into a stadium, you got to figure 2,000 of those people are the same people that I saw all night on Twitter saying, fire Jay Johnson, making memes of him, like, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Scotty Hazleton, and making memes of Scotty Hazleton and this, this terrible defense, like, it doesn't take more than a few hundred, let alone like a thousand boo birds to where it comes through on the TV where it's loud enough that people will hear. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need to be the whole stadium. Talking to a thousand people, I think there are a thousand people in that stadium who are really sick of that Scotty Hazelton defense. Yeah, above all else, get through the first quarter make it a game, get the ugliness of last week behind us and just focus on what we have to do between the lines of this game. And uh, 
I think the rest will take care of itself into a good game, but you cannot start slow in this one coming off no. a loss. All right, let's get out of here. Let's uh, we'll we'll make the picks on Friday. We will get to that. Uh, if you're new, again, we appreciate the support. Share the podcast with friends, family. Leave the reviews for us on Apple and Spotify. We really appreciate all of that. So until Friday, hope everybody has a good uh, hump day, middle of the week here. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.